Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello and welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. I'm Rick and I'm continuing our holiday survival guide today. It's December already. Can you believe it? Time is flying, right? And today I'm actually flying solo. Uh, My amazing wife, Rebecca, is not with me today. She was unable to be here, but she will be back next time. So that'll be awesome. I look forward to having her back with us. And anyway, it's, it's the Christmas season, the holiday season. This is our holiday survival guide. And uh, I don't know, maybe you, like me, have been watching some Christmas movies. Have you been doing that? Probably so. Yeah, it seems like everybody's Christmas traditions include, you know, watching some favorite Christmas movies and usually we'll watch the same ones year after year. Okay. And, you know, a lot of these movies have a, a great message and are just very influential. Think about it. Like maybe take for instance, take for instance, it's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart, you know, it just kind of tells you that the impact of your life on other people is greater than you think it is, even if you don't see it. Or how about Christmas Vacation? That's a funny movie, right? But, you know, Clark Griswold in that movie encourages everybody to have high expectations. <laughs> Does he not? And then there's the you know the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, just keep believing, I would say, is the message of that one. How about Elf? You know, Elf tells me that there's a place where everybody can fit in and fulfill their purpose. Uh, How about White Christmas? That's a great old movie with Bing Crosby. Uh, That movie tells us that, you know, love can work out despite misunderstandings. And it's worthwhile to help out other people who are in a jam. Okay. Then how about the, 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 the Grinch? And maybe uh, some version of a a Christmas Carol. You know, the movie... uh, uh, maybe the a Muppet Christmas Carol or the old 1951s. Um, or how about the, 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 the Grinch or maybe some version of a Christmas Carol, whether it's the Muppet Christmas Carol or the old 1951 version with Alistair Sim. You know, both, both of those movies, the Grinch and a Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol, a little bit of a tongue twister there, show us that there's hope for even the most hardened character. Thank God. I was that way at one time in my life, very hardened character, and God certainly turned my life around. Okay, so all these movies, again, we watch them year after year. They're very influential. They have some great messages in them. But, you know, probably the number one favorite Christmas movie, for most people at least, is Home Alone, uh, specifically Home, uh, Home Alone 1. And I want to use a scene from from Home Alone to illustrate my main topic for today, which is reconciliation. And I'm sure this scene I want to talk about is familiar to you if you've seen the movie or if you've liked me and seen it maybe 10 times or whatever. I remember seeing Home Alone in the theaters when it first came out. So anyway, maybe you were there as well. But uh, if you remember about two thirds of the way or so through the movie, 
you know, Kevin, Kevin McAllister, he's finally missing his family, right? And he knows that there are these two burglars that have targeted his house, and that's got him pretty shaken up, okay? So he goes to this beautiful church. You remember the scene. And this church is in his neighborhood, big stone church. And uh, he's there listening to the choir practice, and the choir is singing, Oh, Holy Night. And he looks over to his right, and there sitting on a pew, maybe a couple of rows behind him, is Mr. Marley, (laughs) the guy that his brother Buzz had called the South Bend Shovel Slayer earlier in the movie. Now, understandably, I get it, Kevin is scared of Marley. I mean, he thinks he's the South Bend Shovel Slayer. He's kind of a spooky, scary-looking guy, right? He's got this gray beard, kind of a steely kind of a stare, and he carries a shovel around, and Kevin's scared of him. And when Kevin sees him there in the church, it kind of freaks him out a little bit. And it gets worse when Marley stands up and starts walking over to where Kevin is sitting. You guys remember this scene, right? And he looks down at Kevin, and then he suddenly smiles and says, Merry Christmas. And then he sits down, and him and Kevin have this conversation, okay? So it's interesting how this works out. But they begin to talk about family. And Kevin doesn't tell him everything that's going on, but he kind of tells him that he's got some issues in his family there. And Marley says, how you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Is that true or what? Okay, that is true. So anyway, Marley tells Kevin that he himself is there to hear his granddaughter sing. He says that he uh, he's there now. He, he won't be able to come later that evening because he wouldn't be welcome. Okay, he can't come to the actual performance because he wouldn't be welcome because he and his son had a falling out and have been estranged and alienated for several years now. Um, and you can tell as Mr. Marley's talking about this that he has regrets about the offense, you know, the rift that caused the division between him and his son, and has caused separation from his granddaughter okay so kevin during the process of the conversation here kevin says well call your son and mr marley says uh now get this mr marley says i'm afraid if i call he won't talk to me i don't know that he won't i'm just afraid he won't okay now that's typical a lot of times we magnify these things in our minds and, and make a bigger deal out of them than they really are. We make it worse in our head than it really is. But where if we, if we would just do it, if we would just deal with the situation, it usually turns out not to be as big a deal as we thought it would be. So anyway, back to the scene in the movie. So then Kevin says, you know, no matter how mad I was, I talked to my dad, especially around the holidays, which is a pretty profound statement. And then when Kevin leaves, you know, he again encourages Mr. Marley to call his son. And Mr. Marley looks at him and says, we'll see how it turns out. And then in one of the very final scenes of the movie, we see Mr. Marley. Kevin looks out the window of his home and we see Mr. Marley in his front yard embracing his son and his daughter-in-law and then picking up and, and hugging his granddaughter and with the snow falling around him. You know, it's just this really cool, beautiful scene, really. And so it's obvious that Kevin was right. Marley's son did want to talk to him and even wanted to reconcile, okay? You know, a lot of people experience estrangement and alienation with family, including very close family, okay? Uh, 
not just at the holidays, but just any time. These things just tend to happen in life sometimes. Here's some statistics for you that to me are very interesting, okay? 27% of adults are currently estranged or alienated from a close family member. Now, by estranged, I mean they're distanced from them in some way. It could even be to the point of not even seeing or speaking with each other. And this can go on for years, okay? Maybe you've experienced this. I hope you haven't. Or maybe you know someone that has. But think of that. 27% are currently estranged. That's 70 million people just in the United States. 40%, another statistic here, 40% have experienced estrangement at some point, okay? Okay. And some research shows it's actually a lot higher than that, that it's maybe as much as 56% have experienced estrangement or alienation from a family member. So, you know, if you or somebody you know are experiencing estrangement from a loved one, you're not alone. There's an epidemic of it going on. And we're not just going to talk about it today. I want to talk about how to deal with it, something you can do. So anyway, on with these statistics again. You know, now get this. 39% of those who've had a falling out have never gotten it reconciled. That would be 27 million people in the United States have had a falling out with a close family member and never gotten it reconciled. Now get this, and this is really sad, especially to me at the holidays here. The most common form of estrangement or alienation is between adult children and one or both of their parents. Mm, Ouch. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, heartwarming scenes and and family reconciliations, it's not just for the movies. They're for us as well. You know, we're Christians. We're believers. Jesus, the Bible tells us, he's the prince of peace. He's all about reconciliation. He wants there to be peace between parents and children and peace between family members. He wants us to get along. He wants us to be in unity. And I believe that Christmas time, is the perfect excuse to deal with some of this stuff. And I want to encourage you to deal with some of this stuff, to be the the uh, the initiator of reconciliation, so to speak. You know, the, the greatest thing in life is relationships. I mean, it just is. You know, we all want good relationships, especially with our family. Get this. this is, I'm going to read you a scripture here from Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verses 32. Uh, actually, I'm going to read Ephesians 4.32 and in Ephesians 5.1, okay? Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, the very next verse after that is Ephesians 5.1, and it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. You know, these chapters and verses weren't added by the people who wrote the Bible. They were added by us later on to help us reference and, and find verses and things we wanted to find in the Bible. So that's all one thought there. It's it's not, we, we divide in our head because the chapter and verse you know, that we've put on it, but it, it's really just one thought. It tells us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you, therefore be imitators of God's dear children. So God initiated reconciliation with us by sending Jesus. And the Bible's telling us to be imitators of God. Yeah. As I said, God is about reconciliation. He's about family. The reason Jesus came is so that we could all be sons and daughters of his, be part of the family. He offers forgiveness. You know, Jesus paid the price for all. 
All our sins, all our mistakes, all our shortcomings, Jesus paid the price for all that. Now, not everyone accepts it, but he offers it to everyone. And we can do the same thing. We maybe can't make someone accept reconciliation, but we can offer it. Okay? Now, here's an interesting scripture to me. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. And actually, you know, Ephesians 4, 32 and what I'm about to read you, these are scriptures that Rebecca and I typically use when we're doing marriage counseling or marriage ministry with people. Now, get this. Ephesians 5, 23 and 24. It says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Now, let me just interject here. Your brother would be somebody close to you, okay? Could be an actual brother, a family member, whatever, but somebody close. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, that scripture really something in that really stands out to me and that's this okay usually when i tell people this it's kind of shocking to them so i'm not trying to be shocking here but it's just very interesting what god is telling me there is that he values unity between his children even above our worship of him did you see that there he says if you bring a gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you okay that's a family member right has something against you Go be reconciled to them before offering your gift to him. So he he considers, he values unity between you and those close to you, even above your worship of him. That is significant to me. God really wants us to be reconciled. He really wants us to have good relationships. And God values that unity among his children, okay? Now, here's something else. Remember from the scene there, you know, in Home Alone, we were talking about the Mr. Marley, the older man. He, he wanted reconciliation. You know, odds are if you want reconciliation, the other person does too. I'm just going to tell you that. Most people would rather have reconciliation. They just don't want to deal with the issue. They don't want to, you know, like, like Mr. Marley says, what if I call him? He won't talk to me. I don't know that he won't. I'm just afraid that he won't. That's how we are. People want reconciliation, but they just keep putting off, taking the first step to make it happen because they're afraid of rejection. So just put that fear behind you. You know, fear has never accomplished anything great let's just put it that way so just put fear aside and step out and do something anyway reach out in love and offer reconciliation now all you can do is your part just like god sent jesus god offers reconciliation to everyone he can't make us accept that sacrifice he can't make us put our faith in jesus so all you can do is your part just say hey you know what i love you I don't want our relationship to be like this. You know, we're not seeing each other. We're not speaking. Whatever it is, I'm not sure what state the relationship may be in exactly. But just tell them, I don't want it to be this way. Let's get together. You know, and and maybe don't try to justify yourself and and justify the events that led to it. Well, you know, we're in this because of whatever, whatever, whatever. That's just going to dig up that rift to make it fresh again. So don't do that. Just resist that temptation to, to rehash what caused the rift and just ask for the reconciliation. You know, first Peter four, eight says love covers a multitude of sins. So you want to reach out in love. You know, you might not agree with everything the other person has done or everything they're doing or what whatever it is, but you know, love covers the multitude of sin. Let your love and care for them be more important 
than, than whatever it is that, that maybe caused the rift, okay? Um, that's how God is toward us. Remember, you know, Romans chapter 5 talks about how when we were still sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us by dying for us, even when we were still sinners. Christ extended reconciliation. He died for us to pay the price for our shortcomings. Even when we were still sinners, we were still in that stuff. So, you know, again, we can offer reconciliation. We maybe can't make them accept it, but we can certainly offer it. We can seek it, okay? So if you're dealing with a family rift, maybe it's even right in your very own marriage, okay? Reach out in love to, to reconcile with that person. If someone you know is dealing with a rift like that, you know, take the Kevin McAllister role and encourage them to make the call and seek that re- reconciliation, okay? You know, I can't guarantee that if you offer reconciliation to someone uh, that they'll all accept it and you'll have a, a beautiful, heartwarming scene. But I can promise if you don't offer reconciliation, it's a lot less likely to happen. And that if you do, it's a lot more likely to happen. And like we said earlier, you know, the most valuable thing we have in life are relationships. You know, you can't even get to heaven without a relationship with, with God, right? So Jesus came to restore that relationship. So we, we want to have good relationships. I just encourage you to take the step, uh, be bold, be courageous, and offer that reconciliation to others, okay? You know, one of the things I like to do, that's it for that topic, but one of the things I like to do is answer a question uh, that someone has asked us uh, on these podcasts. And here's a question I have. And I've actually got this question taped up over my desk. It's been there a couple of weeks because it's such a, an interesting question, okay? And um, Rebecca and I were doing a conference, and you know, a lot of times at the end of these conferences, we'll do a Q&A, and we'll have people put questions anonymously into a box, and we'll just pull them at random and answer them. And this is one that someone dropped in there. We were actually out of the country when this question was given to us. And uh, this person says, this is their question. If God's love is a decision, why should I decide? Okay. You know, basically, why take the risk? Why love other people? Why do it? You know, the best answer I have to that is that we're created in God's image and God is love. And love is not about self. Love is about other people. And we read it earlier. Ephesians 5, 1 says that we should imitate God as dear children. So if we're going to be God-like, if we're going to be godly, is maybe a better way to put it. If we're going to be godly, we want to reach out and love other people, especially those closest to us, especially our spouse who we are in covenant with, that God's put us in covenant with. You want to love that person. You know, human beings were not created to be about themselves. We were created to be about others. And there's a uh, study I read once. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it bears mentioning again. There was a study done years ago where some researchers went into these nursing homes, lots of elderly people, um, you know, they went in these nursing homes, several different nursing homes, you know, hundreds of different elderly people. And they gave everybody in those nursing homes a plant, okay? Every individual got a plant. Half of them, they said, okay, you're responsible for this plant. You have to take care of it. You have to water it prune it, make sure it gets this much fertilized, this much water, not too much water. It'll be hurt, you know, harmful to the plant, this much light every day, etc. So they told them how to take care of the plant and said, you have to do it. The other half, they said, okay, this plant's just here for you to look at. You don't have to do anything. The staff's going to take care of it. And then they watched what happened. The people who had responsibility for the plant, 
lived longer, and were healthier. And the people who had no responsibility didn't, okay? It just the fact that they had responsibility and purpose outside of themselves increased their quality of life, okay? When we're just about ourselves, our quality of life is not going to be as good. And when I read this question, if God's love is a decision, why should I decide? That's what I think of. You're going to have a richer, fuller, better life if you decide to love other people God's way. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Reach out in love to others. Bring that reconciliation. Encourage others to do the same. And hey, like this podcast, subscribe, share it. Send us an email if you have a question. We want to hear from you. Email us at info at marriagebythebook.org. Info at marriagebythebook.org. And thanks again and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.